Hope all of you are doing well this evening, this morning, this afternoon, however it may show up for you. The title of this evening's, this morning's, this afternoon's Dharma Talk is Rivers and Mountains. Is that it? Usually I do mountains and rivers, but I just, it just got boring. So I thought maybe rivers and mountains will bring about more rivery questions and less mountainous. Okay, so the idea with this kind of a title uh, for a Dharma talk is, uh, and I can usually come up with something to talk about, but sometimes it's just good to just start out with questions. And so, and then we'll see where it goes from there. Let's start out in the, in here in the monastery in the Zendo. Is there a question in here? Nishikai, go ahead. We were talking about appreciation in book study the other day. Yes, appreciation. How do we appreciate difficulty? So the way I use the word appreciation is a little bit different than maybe uh, it's thought about in art appreciation, in other words, or something like that, getting to appreciate something that you don't know about or don't understand or think is kind of valueless. You need to learn to appreciate that. Or you need to, quite often our parents might say, you don't really appreciate how well you have it. After all, you have your own bicycle, your own Labrador retriever, so on and so forth. We're always being told how wonderful life is for us. But appreciation in the way that not only you're asking it, but I'm going to respond to it, it is about whatever arises in your mind stream, in your life stream, in your living room, down the hall, in your politics, in your world, in your pre-perceptions and preconceptions, etc., is needs to be appreciated. And the way I use that word is uh, give it the space because you really aren't going to be able to appreciate anything in its totality or its in, in its uh, completeness if you don't really give it a lot of a lot of room to so you can see what it is. You could even say uh, and this I don't want to get into politics particularly, but uh, if at all. But appreciate even the intense negativity we're going through. Uh, the appreciation doesn't mean you like it. It just means that you're giving what is arising as uh, what has an apparent qualities of um, difficulty, challenge, pain, and suffering, and uh, and and incredible greediness and grasping for control and power of specific others. But we, if we won't re- really be able to understand what that is in our own mind stream and in our world unless we really appreciate it. In other words, appreciate the qualities that are showing up in that area. We do this in our own mind is the negativity that has been triggered by someone said this, this happened, and this happened, uh, or someone remarked on something about our, uh, our life or what we just said or some decision we made or it's good to appreciate in other words, give it the space to be what it is. You'll notice that if you actually allow space to anything, it doesn't hold still. It doesn't just solidify into your previous preconception about it or your opinion about it. It actually starts to change because everything is fundamentally uh, moving and in motion. And so by not locking down on that and allowing that to have some kind of movement of its own, we begin to see more clearly what that actually is uh, beyond past and without the interference of our our uh, 
jumping to conclusions or opinions or ideas or grasping or judging it. It's not that you couldn't judge it eventually. You might come in and say, this is just terrible. What's happening? I don't like that. Shouldn't be. Someone should stop that or on and on of all the other kinds of commentary we tend to have on something that is disturbing us or our world. So it's quite amazing. Uh, uh, the same thing could be said for your mind stream. Sit down. You've heard me say this hundreds of times. Hold still. And whatever arises, appreciate that. Just appreciate that you even have a mind, that you even can have thoughts, that you even have an apparent, and I say apparent because that's all it is, identity. If you, if you saw who you really are, what your actual identity is, your life would uh, change forever. It would change uh, all of the things you thought it, that it was would drop away. So appreciate. Very good question. Excellent question. That could have even been the title and now is the title of this uh, Dharma talk. Was it appreciation? I know it was the A word. Is that what you said? Oh, okay. well, there's lots of other words that, that mean appreciation. Like skullduggery. You knew that one? <laughs> Don't you dare humor me. <laughs> well, he's old and he might get those confused. <clears throat> Further question about that? What about with like an emotion like anger that yes. feels like it has less space in it? Is that true, first of all? Yes, yes. And actually, to appreciate one's anger uh, means uh, don't don't uh, cap that, don't stop that in its tracks. You might not, the idea there is, and the words I use are produce and receive. You might not produce out of the anger if you're fully receiving the anger that you're having and not trying to get rid of it by spitting on someone or scolding someone, blaming someone, and have the willingness, you could even say the discipline, the understanding, the awareness to be able to just be with what arises. Be with all things. This is a third of the third three pure precepts. Be with all things, sometimes personalized by saying, Save all beings. Put others before yourself. It's impossible to do, but it is about the intention to do that, not about a success story. Success stories are materialistic. The world is full of those. Do this and get that. Do this and this and this, and this will happen. If you just take this, then that'll happen. If you do it this way, this will happen. <laughs> spiritual path, if it's anyone's guarantee you, guaranteeing the outcome of that spiritual path to you, then uh, it's... Probably not a spiritual path. But more about that? When is it helpful to communicate our difficulties? Okay, I'll I'll take I'll pick it up right where you left it. I'll say it's helpful to communicate when the when the anger may still be there, but the hatred has gone away. So the intense intensity, the kind of fixation about it. There's still anger. There's still but there's no there's no intense uh, blaming. There's still a lot of room in that area. It's not completely, uh, you know, 110 degrees in that room. It's cooled off somewhat. You're able to you know, talk about that and still uh, have a feeling of discontent or dissatisfaction or anger. And that that uh, is uh, impossible, I would say. I don't think I'm exaggerating. That is impossible to set, to do, to practice without a strong awareness practice where you've gotten to know your own passion, aggression, and ignorance in your own mind stream by practicing shikantaza.
I'm not saying there aren't other ways of doing this. I just don't know about them. This is the one I know. If you do that, then then you can feel the heat, you can feel the anger, and you also, uh, if maybe you wouldn't notice it yourself so much, but if someone were watching you, they might sense your dissatisfaction, but they wouldn't sense warfare coming out of that. They would. Uh, they might sense uh, <sighs> a certitude and uh, but certitude and conviction about something, but also a spaciousness in that dissatisfaction that it still has room for uh, communication, which means, mainly means receiving what's happening. You're expressing your difficulty to someone, your anger, your dissatisfaction, but there's a lot of openness for watching what comes back towards you from that, from the other person, from the situation, from the family, from the whatever it may be. More? Nicole? Is appreciation an action? I don't know, maybe a little bit, but I think it's more, I feel that it's more about really whatever's showing up on your doorstep, in your mind frame, uh, in your in your threshold of awareness is just receive that. You see that you don't have to give it a home particularly, uh, but it's probably quite transient. But if we, uh, if we object to it or, or agree with it, we're not saying agree with it either. Don't, we don't want to necessarily be just let everything happen no matter what and get kind of get off the hook, not really be responsible for what's happening. We can kind of blame uh, something else for it. More. Nicole Bye. Um, sometimes you say, and I can't recall exactly, but you might say, like, you're not. Louder. Um, giving love you are love i do i think that's maybe where my question is appreciation something you give or that you are so the giving part is you give it your attention in other words you you observe whatever's happening you receive you give it your attention and what shows up instead of objecting agreeing which is can also be difficult just saying kind of caving into the whole thing because the negativity that might be coming towards you is difficult to work with and the temptation to go to war is there so instead we uh we give up and when i say sometimes i'll say lose the war but that isn't that isn't the same thing as uh, surrendering that's more like just don't go to war if you don't go to war you don't have to surrender just like i say if you don't blame anyone for anything then you don't have to forgive them don't blame anyone for anything this doesn't mean you don't see that this person's doing this and doing that and creating problems for yourself and for others, but you interacting with them would be, communicating would be more important than beginning to blame them. So receiving what is there without, without any, any particular analysis of it. More? Is there a difference between Valuing something and appreciating it. Big one. Appreciating it, appreciating you don't know its value. Valuing something is is uh, separating it out for, from other things and making that more valuable than others. Uh, using it through a, a comparison. Now, if it shows up as a contract, contrast is different than comparison. Contrast is just a a uh, contrast. You're not really sure if black is good or white is good or black is white or white is black or should we have gray or 
there's still a lot of room for uh, a lot of mobility there in the mind, mind stream around uh, what we should do, what we shouldn't do, uh, what, what is actually being appreciated. It's about allowing something to be what it is without really necessarily having some kind of intellectual or conceptual understanding of what it is right away. You might eventually, sir. Feels I'm bowing. I've got a family member that over my life has continually disappointed me. Um, is there a way to work with or is it appropriate to appreciate disappointment? I would say so without even uh, knowing what the content is. I would say, and, and the way I would go with that, I'm not sure what the disappointment is. I don't really need to know the story. I would just say that that, that person is probably not deliberately disappointing you and that the negativity that that person is dealing with uh, may be completely in the shadows for you, but it's right in the light for them. They, they're dealing with a, some aspect uh, of their dynamic. And I'm just not defending them. I'm just saying that look deeply into not why they're doing it, but have an appreciation for they're probably doing the best they can with, excuse me, what they were dealt. Yeah, you had a more specific question, I might be able to fine tune it. Is, is there a way to support that person from the standpoint of my disappointment? Yeah, leave them alone. Meet them. I mean, meet them where they're at. It's a very situational, situational there. If they get in touch with you, talk to them or hang out or, but so don't do too much with them. I would say spend 90% uh, of the time listening to them without even knowing what, what their difficulty is or what's going on. Is that dog trying to tell us something? What's that dog's name? Rex? Hans. Huh? Hans. Hans? Oh, it's Portuguese Hawaiian. More? If, if there's not communication there and you say to leave them, leave them be, then how do you have a relationship with somebody that you are leaving alone? Well, uh, that's, that's a relationship, even though it might not live up to your standards or your preconceptions of a relationship. Tony uh, Perumpache would often say the best relationship is no relationship. That's one version of it. That's a pretty obvious version of it. The, the more difficult one is someone you're in a intimate relationship with to understand what that is. And, and that requires a lot of understanding, a lot of very deep awareness of the nature of identity, the nature of reality, for that matter, of subjective and objective. I don't know if I understand that. Thank you for the question, Gilza. Uh, um, I was just curious, is appreciation fairly synonymous with respect in this regard? So somewhat, uh, the idea there with respect is that you're, the way I use respect is you need to respect uh, a person completely. In other words, you respect their condition. You don't try to go in and correct them based on your perception of what they're dealing with, what they're going through, unless you really have their permission. So a little bit of that would be appropriate. Respect people's confusion, respect their their uh, intelligence, respect their insight, respect their all of the plus things, and also respect the confusion. Because if you don't respect their confusion and they're not ready, really ready in their causes and conditions, uh, karma to actually begin to turn towards that, to deal with it uh, with some kind of uh, deliberation by way of uh, not fighting with themselves anymore, whatever it may be, uh, your timing may be out, way out of whack with theirs. So you might actually prevent them 
to hold them back from going into that when it's time for them to do that. Question, uh, Alan. What are some like situations that signify to a person beyond just a vocal consent that you have permission to interfere, as you said? But so you're you're asking me for what are signs that? Yeah, like like how can one tell beyond just getting a straight yes? Please give me you have my permission. I can address that. So even someone say yes, you have my permission may may not may just be that they really want to be a person who gives permission. So it may be all about their identity rather than any kind of uh, access you have to, to their that labyrinth we call the mind. So uh, I would say less is better. Listen, uh, receive. In other words, I say 90-10. Receive, listen, smell, taste, touch. I mean, you have permission. Um, when I talk, talk about that, I'm just saying be with the person all the way and receive as much as you can from everything, their body language. The body language is a way I talk about body languages. You, you cannot interpret it. You start interpreting body language. We're back and talking about psychology again. And psychology is fine, but it's not the spiritual path. Shoka. Shokabang, is there a way that we can work with receiving the anger when there is the response of trying to cap it? So there may be some time when Pass when you just keep pushing on it and you just have to watch the capping because if you get it into some kind of double negativity about it, first you have the anger and then you have the other negativity of trying to stop the anger. And uh, in order to be able to have even a modicum of control over something like that, we have to first uh, really sense and feel the anger. We have to actually be angry. So here again, we go back to that uh, reception and production. If you're fully receiving uh, your anger, in other words, it's coming out of your mind stream. It's been triggered by thus and so. Uh, those, you know, those two guys. Uh, it's been triggered by that. If you can just, sitting practice of meditation will help you receive what arises in your mind stream without immediately leaping on your horse of, of objectivity and running out with your sword drawn. So you can actually do that. You You are learning, you are training your mind to hold still and receive the mind stream. So you're, the, what's happening is the, to use a kind of a visual of that. You're uh, in the in most people who are conf, who are conflicted with um, con, conflict, conflicting thoughts about the nature of the mind, the nature of reality, uh, conflicting emotions. Their their awareness and their thought process are always hooked together, and the, so the thought process is here, and the the awareness that the thought processes arises in. Uh, it has it. It actually leads it because it's fear-based. So we have to think about something before we go in there. We have to think about what that is, analyze it, uh, go back to see what's if there's something similar to that. The way we should handle that or work with that. Someone with mind training, that awareness is starting to begin to have its own uh, independence, so to speak, so that it's not always subservient to the thinking processes based on paranoia. So over time, we begin to be more and more able to meet anyone, anything, including our own mind stream with awareness and with not, not with a bunch of stupid ideas and concepts and opinions and protocols and standards and on and on and on. All the things, all the laws and everything that are made to control, they're not made to help us see the truth ourselves so you can liberate yourself. So you can live a wholesome, uplifted life, whether you're a Buddhist or not. You can actually meet the world as it is, not miss your life by plunging down into the darkness of ignorance 
and coming up in another lifetime and trying to do this again. All this teacher is telling you, find out who you are. You don't have to receive any vows or anything. You may need them, they may not. I certainly needed that. But find out who you are, so there's no doubts. Don't believe anything I say. You find out. You look at your mind and see what it is. And in that way, you begin to, the, the awareness starts to, you could even say, leak out in front of the thought process. It's very gradual, and it's not particularly noticeable, other than from the point of view of ego, you will feel more and more and more what? You said shitty? <laughs> I hadn't thought of that. Yeah, that's it. I was just going to say lost. <laughs> you feel more and more lost. You feel, yeah, you could say, but lost is a is something that, that comes to you that is a lot softer, whereas shitty has a strong uh, condemnation happening. So you've actually, that's more aggression coming in on top of it. Whereas lost could be, has a more, uh, there's a lot more atmosphere happening in lost. You're lost. It's spacious. It's open. You don't know what to do. So this is a path to liberation. Lost. No, there's no self in the skandhas. And when you begin to discover that there's no one home here, and yet you're still able to talk and remember and speak and love people and, and dislike people, you're still able to do all that without any central authority that we call the ego. No oligarch sitting in there operating out of fear and trying to control your mind and control everybody else's mind. Just practice. Practice. Lead with, lead with your awareness. It's like you walk into a room, you have no idea what to do next, even though you've just come in here and you're going to function as a doshi and you know where to go. But you don't know what this is. Everything's completely new. There's only this. Past and future are extra. We, we invent the past and we remember the future. We do it every day, over and over and over again, and without the help of Lewis Carroll. Liam? How do I stay content in lay life? In lay life? <laughs> Contentment is a, is a position, so probably not going to work. I, I don't know how to stay content. Um, I would say if you understand the nature of contentment, you won't care whether you're content or not. If you understand the nature of reality, as it is perceived by these apparent individual beings we call humans, and I presume you're human, we're here, and we want something else. The second noble truth, life is suffering. The first one, the Buddha talked about 2,500 years ago, and the next one is you want it to be different. You don't want that. And if you realize what this is, you don't want anything. That doesn't mean you won't have cheesecake, but there's no demand for anything else even something you were just getting ready to have and hold and something was going to be given to you. And then somebody says, no, I've changed my mind about that. I'm no longer going to give you that. Uh, that uh, I made a mistake. That's meant for him or her or, or just something that changes. Or you got a good bill of health. And then the next week, the doctor comes back and said, I read the wrong report. And actually, you, you have about two weeks to live. If you know who you are, that's I'm not saying that won't be disappointing. Of course it will. Not like you're nuts, but it's not the it's not the heavy weight that comes down on one who has no mind training. Because you understand that life and death are not two separate things. They look like it, and that's it's an intense belief that you can't twist yourself away from by just trying not to believe that or trying to ignore death. Death and life are not separate. Realize it. 
realize it. Lose the war. Lose the war. Not, not surrender, but just you see, see the war there and don't run any, any, uh, any ammunition to the front lines. You know what I mean by that? I'm saying to stop telling yourself stories about it. Even though you can say, well, the reason I'm doing that is because I got, had that coming and I actually did that project and then somebody else is getting, they're giving someone else credit for what I just did and I'm not saying anything to me about it. Tell that story. Just see what arises and what uh, subsides. If you do, if you just do that without any addition, any subtraction, don't do the math on anything. So contentment is, it's cheap. Uh, how could I say that so to convey it? Uh, I can't think of something really cute. So I'll think of something not so cute. How about you give me contentment and you give me death? How's that? What, what's, what is contentment? What a, what a bowl of uh, 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 spoiled uh, spinach. I wouldn't even give it that much. Spinach is at least green. But it's just you don't need contentment. Don't miss your life by being content. Are you? Are you content? Yeah, I'm content. Ever since I took Tony Robbins courses. I know you don't want me to mock things. Oh, I can mock him, no problem. I can mock Tony Robbins. I see you back there. <laughs> Are you feeling better? No? But you're here anyway? Good. Is it something I said? <laughs> I wanted to ask an um, explanation for a line in the sadhana. Yes. Um, what is the self-existing equanimity that is quite simply what the great wrathful one is? Uh, the self-existing equanimity, which is quite simply what the great wrathful one is, it just means that that uh, uh, nothing is separate from anything else. And the, the great wrathful one is like a thunderstorm. It's like, like, it's like lightning. And sometimes it's like warfare, but it's, it's wrathful and it arises out of everything. And it's completely uh, not separate from equanimity or balance. Can't figure this out. And that sounds completely ridiculous to say that. Uh, the person who operates out of the thinking process and right and wrong and judgment will take that and make that into, well, this person must just think that the war is okay. That was not being said. You have to understand that with the awareness rather than, rather than some kind of analysis that makes some things good and some things bad. You can't have evil without evil. You can't have good without good. And you can't have both without the other can't have it because it's a duality that no <laughs> did not when you're buying what is awakening no more war no agreeing no disagreeing no more war. complete utter appreciation for this precious human birth that you manage to come into the human realm again, and this time you realize your true nature. You actually realize what this is, so you won't be back. There are countless, countless realms and levels beyond just this human realm. Countless, countless. That's, even that's an understatement. You can't even use the word counting. It's infinite.
there's no limit to it, right up to and including uh, what we, in Buddhism we call the Dharmakaya, or the uh, uh, fundamental body of truth. Up to that, there's lots of stages. One of them is the Bodhisattva path, that path where you give up everything for everyone else, even though they might not notice it and there might not be any merit badges uh, handed to you. It's internal. When you're bowing, um, during the six o'clock meditation tonight, um, I think you quoted, I can't remember who it was, but you said, give up the search. Is that Papaji? Uh, Papaji, uh, Indian teacher of the last, latter part of the last century. So is part of giving up the search, giving up the search for awakening? Um, Yes. Vinyabhavi, can you describe awakening in some other manner? I could. What other manner would you like me to describe? Something other than no more war. Um, nothing else. The elseness is gone. This is something else. That's something else. And the, the other is gone. Empty of other. Your world is empty. It doesn't mean there aren't, isn't another person that shows up. It doesn't mean that if I walk out down the outside the monastery, down through uh, the sunshine bardo, and I see Shoka moving towards me, that I'm, I don't see Shoka. I do, I do see Shoka, but uh, Shoka is not separate from the mind that perceives Shoka. There's plenty of room for there for questions there if you want to go further. So I, I both see Shoka and I also see not separate, nothing else. There's nothing else. There's just your mind. There's just mind. Mind doesn't belong to anyone. It sure the hell looks like it, though, doesn't it? You wake up in the middle of the night with a nightmare. Or when you're, when you have an opinion somebody else doesn't have. Sure looks like it. And it looks like it a lot. And it looks like it most of the time. But there is a possibility that you could see your true nature and see that you're not separate from anything. The separation will still continue because it doesn't need to go away because it is an illusion. Just like ego doesn't have to be gotten rid of. Just see that it's unreal and you'll stop believing it's crazy, paranoid uh, ideas. Doesn't mean they won't keep arising, looking for somebody to take them, take them to the bank. You know, this is, this is valid. You can spend this. This will count. No, it won't. You deal with that. Don't believe them. Don't disbelieve them because then they bounce back. Don't believe what arises. Don't disbelieve what arises and certainly don't ignore it and liberate yourself from the, uh, the cage of your uh, uh, afflictions. When you're bowing, so to use that image you just mentioned, where you see Shoka coming towards you, wanted to say, are you swamped by opinions, ideas, thoughts about Shoka? No, I just don't particularly like him. (laughs) (laughs) So it's very simple. (laughs) Just dislike. It's a good question. Take take me further into it, and I'll stop uh, being silly. Go ahead. When you're bowing, so you often say too that feelings or or our thoughts don't belong to us; they're none of yeah. our business. Yes. So in a, in any situation where we're seeing what appears to be other, and we are we are swamped with judgments, opinions. Mm-hmm. Yes. How, what's the what's the action that we can Take the, 
Okay, a lot of sitting meditation, first of all. That goes without saying. Anyone here, if you're not doing sitting meditation, none of this is going to make any sense particularly uh, at all. You need to train your mind. That's how it looks. Or you could prove me wrong somewhere, I suppose. If you think I'm wrong, then show me how. But what I'm saying to you is whatever shows up in the mind stream, just receive. Just, it's if it comes towards your, if it's prepared and served to you, it's called karma. Ah, eat it, take it, receive it. Receive this incredible world. Re receive it rather than, I don't want that, I want this. I don't want, I don't want this, I want that. Continually fighting with everything. Go ahead. In your mind, is that awakening? Is what awakening? To eat whatever karma arises? No, that's the path. That's the ground path and fruition. The ground is suffering. Life sucks. We want to find out how to deal with it. And we can go countless ways and we might stumble onto something that there's no promises, no guarantee, and there's no, no real description of the outcome. It's just that the, if there's any teaching there, it's that you're uh, like the Four Noble Truths, the Eightfold Path, and all of those teachings. There's no guarantee that you will realize your true nature. When you bowing, um, is realization different from um, awakening? Same, interchangeable. You, what you, the ground is the suffering. The path is receive whatever comes towards you. You practice doing that by facing a wall and just watching, receiving whatever shows up in your brain pan and you do a lot of it i'm sure you've noticed done a lot of it a lot of people in here have been meditating for many years so you you train yourself so that when you you get up off the cushion and go into your everyday life situation you're on receive more than you are on produce in other words you're receiving your awareness is out in front thoughts can't receive anything your thinking process cannot receive a thing. Any kind of thing that's happening there, it's like a barrier. It's not that we don't need thoughts, but we need they need to be reprioritized so they are actually used as the tools they're meant to be, not as some kind of uh, advanced scout out in the in the desert to make sure they don't run into anything bad or, or threatening. So lead with your awareness. And so the path, the ground is the suffering, the difficulty we all have. And the path is train your awareness to see clearly what this is so that you are not fighting with your delusions and your illusions and your confused mind and your mistaken beliefs about the nature of reality. Like there's such a thing as a solid separate self from everything else. Duality is the basic configuration that's talked about in uh, the 30 verses of Asabandhu and many other places in the Buddhist teachings of the Buddha himself. Ground path fruition and then the fruition is uh, uh, no no more war, no, no more objecting, no more agreeing, no more shutting down unless you're functioning as a teacher. And then if you're functioning as a teacher, you're able to morph into any situation because you're not separate from anything that shows up in front of you. So whoever, whomever, whatever shows up in front of you, if they're a student, if they say, if they proclaim that, or if they, or if you see that they're not just bullshitting you and say, oh yes, yeah, I want to be your student. I really love you. I love your teachings. They're so wonderful. Can I be your student? And what do you think I'll say? Yeah, all right. I'll teach you. 
No, you would say, I'm being, I'm being uh, silly and sarcastic about it, and I'm not supposed to be sarcastic. Isn't that what you said? Don't be sarcastic. Did I misunderstand you? Is it condescending or sarcastic or uh, mocking? Mocking, that was it. Mock, don't mock. Is that mocking? You raising your eyebrows, is that like a yes? <laughs> Very subtle communication there, raising eyebrows. So the ground is the suffering. The path is train yourself, train your mind, see what this is. And, uh, and the, the, uh, the fruition is no more preferences for anything. As I said, like other than if you're functioning as a teacher, then you would be uh, functioning with someone to help them realize their true nature. And that can show up, will show up differently with each person. But, but there's no propaganda. The teacher, it's a teacher, he, she, or they are trying to get you to do it a certain way or follow them or make you any promises at all. All kinds of flashing lights should go off. Any promises of anything. That's not the spiritual path. That's a mundane path of trying to sell you something. No guarantee. Question from Navid. Navid. Out of passion, aggression, and, and ignorance, passion is harder for me to understand. How can we do anything we like without being passionate about it? <clears throat> no demand. Do something you like, but no demand. So no, no, no requirement. You're there. You just got through eating a, a meal. And you get up and you uh, want to uh, uh, go play tennis because you really enjoy tennis. Get ready. You go out to play tennis, but you're... You go out to your car and your next door neighbor you see is having difficulty with something, uh, you might help them instead of play tennis. No demand. It's just simple mundane, but it's like that. It's like you, you, you look at other people's situation and you, you fundamentally help them. It may not be going to help them change the tire in their car. It could be something more, uh, much more subtle than that. Putting others before yourself. And that's the path until you aren't separate from others. Then you're always putting others before yourself, whether they know it or not. But that, then we're talking about a teacher. And that teacher, um, their way of teaching may not be particularly comfortable. As I've told the story many times, as soon as I gave Kobenshino Roshi permission to be my teacher by asking him for uh, Jukai, he immediately started ignoring me. Never spoke with me again, really. And what do I have to say about that? I think that's what I needed. I needed that kind of rejection from somebody that I wanted acceptance from. I'm not like him, so I don't do that. But I'm not saying that something like that couldn't occur. So, Naveed, I would say, enjoy yourself. Do whatever you want to do. Enjoy yourself. Have a good time. Enjoy making music or making love or going to the museum or riding your bike, whatever, enjoy yourself, enjoy cooking, enjoy yourself. But it's the demand part, kind of have it that way. This is what brought someone like a great genius like Vincent van Gogh to his knees. He had no mind training. He was completely at the mercy of his, of his self-hatred.
no one was there to help him. Maybe his brother couldn't help him, if you know the story. He just didn't, at a loss, no mind training. Not belief in Buddhism, but mind training, so we can see what this is ourselves. You may need to be officially become a Buddhist, you may not. A question from Lydia. Lydia? Are you not separate from Shoka because your consciousness is the same as his? Or because your consciousness is also his? I'm not sure what my question is. Well, if those are the only two options I have, then I would say no to both of them. That's a misunderstanding. You're, you're using relative truth to address the spiritual path. And relative truth works up to a certain point. But at some point, we go actually beyond that. And even beyond is extra. That's another relative statement. It's even worse than that. Than what you just the two options you gave me. And then when you followed up by saying, I'm not sure what I want to know, you were already becoming a little suspicious of the two options you gave me. And so I would say your insight was at the last one when you're saying, I'm not sure. Because uh, there's no, it's not that kind of a situation. It's, it's not that the consciousnesses uh, are identical or not separate or something like that. Though you could say that. My way of saying the same thing, uh, but it wouldn't just apply it to, to Shoka and Sogadan. It would apply it to everyone. Consciousness doesn't belong to anyone. It just falls into particular places and then it moves on to something else. It always finds its own form. That comes out of what I see, not out of what I've been taught. And I've been taught a lot, most of which I forgot, yes. It seems like when consciousness finds this form, it finds uh, similar patterns or ways of working with things over and over whenever it comes into this form. So what is um, yeah. what is causing that apparent pattern? Fear. Fear or sometimes out of fear comes grasping, grasping to close a door, grasping uh, possibly to open the door to get away from something or fear of losing something or fear of too much space, shut down, too much too much uh, availability of everything, lack of reference point. We tend to shut down and start to focus on some little item somewhere to give us some security. This is what happens with a hobby, not against hobbies. But if someone has too much time on their hands, they get a hobby rather than just being in that time, being in that spaciousness. I'm not promoting that, but it's what occurs. Not incorrect. Yes, Kelly. What is happening when it seems clear that there is no way that will awaken, but that we want to either be with or support others who want to try? Well, I don't know what your question is. Sounds fine to me. That's all I'm doing. All I've been doing since I stumbled into this path. You want to know the big secret? Can everybody keep a secret? There is no awakening. It's always about intention. And when I say there is no awakening, I'm saying there's no awakening in the way you think there is. There is awakening, but it's it's completely beyond your idea of projection or daydream about it. It's uh, it's on the one hand, it's disappointing, 
And on the other hand, because we're right back to this, the two-ness of everything, it's uh, it's completely vast and un unsearchable. Do it anyway. You're already de dedicated to helping others. Just continue. Don't look for results. And if you look for results, then don't look for results about not looking for results. I'm sorry you're feeling bad. Question from Hassan. Who? Hassan. Hassan. I have chronic pain and anxiety issues. Meditation has helped, but even after years of practicing, I still get pain flare-ups. It's very hard to sit without any desire for pain to go away. Any suggestions on how to calm down during a pain episode? Oh, I, I don't have any standard for that. I do have know people who have had a little bit of that myself, uh, off and on, but I know people who are in, in extreme pain all the time. Uh, at least that's what they're saying. And I have no reason to doubt them. And our, uh, several of them are in that. And the only thing I can say is do the best you can. Don't uh, find, uh, spend some time to sit totally still. It seems that the stillness itself, even if it's only for 30 seconds or two minutes or eight minutes, uh, is more important than, uh, uh, than some kind of long-term, uh, situation where you're, you're shooting to be free of pain. Just sit down, hold very still and just watch the pain. I'm sorry, I can't come up with something more definite than that. I might be able to if I talk to you some. Uh, not necessarily recommending that. I'll leave it up to you. But people who have uh, uh, MS, people who have uh, uh, what's the one? I can't think of the illness uh, hmm. that you get from a flea or from oh, a, Lyme's a Lyme's disease. That can be very Intensely painful, also. So sorry that you're, you have difficulty, but just do a little bit. Set set aside. If there's something you can do to alleviate the pain, and of course you would do that. But if sitting very still is painful, then just keep it very short. Don't don't push yourself into it. Sit down, hold very still for ten minutes. We even do that every day. At, um, as it is meditation at six o'clock, we do been doing it for a couple of years where you can sit there and have a 10 minute guided meditation. So if that appeals to you, that's available. Might be sometimes that's, that's the only thing we can do is that it depends on how, what our wiring is, how, what kind of karma is showing up for us, what is showing up for you in terms of your chronic pain sounds terrible. Other questions? How can we receive everything the teacher does as a teaching? See the way you uh, you pick and choose. See the way you this this and this and this and this they're teaching, but this other thing the teacher is doing that can't be a teaching. And I, the way I would say it, it might not be a teaching, but if you're always a student, always a student, then everything is a teaching. Even the the teacher is here, as my teacher once said. Uh, you're, the teacher is here to introduce you to your work, to your world. And so, and that's, that's uh, a function of the true teacher. When the teacher triggers anger, what is that mm -hmm. teaching us? 
Look at your anger. It's a, you just, you just described it. Your teacher is triggering the anger. It's your anger. Teacher is not pouring anger into you. You're, all you have to do is walk down the street and you can be triggered. Triggered. And when you're triggered, what that's saying is the anger that is deep in your heart. Use a, a visceral expression. Deep in your heart, you keep covering it up. This is what sitting practice of meditation is about, being able to eventually drop down into those lower areas of consciousness where things are hidden and let them rise, open those gates. And how do we do that? By going down into that, not by maintaining some kind of meditative state, which sometimes is taught in different places. I don't teach that. I'm not against it. Go do it. But I think it's really important to to see that if something is, someone is doing something that triggers anger, that it's your anger. It's just, it's in your particular karma or your, the dependent origination that arises as your mind stream and as this particular body, which is no one, uh, which does not have a solid identity to it, but still feels like someone. Someone does something, triggers that. So on the downside, it's triggering that. But on the upside, uh, if your teacher's doing that, then then you begin to see that everything is a teaching. That's what the teacher's introducing you to, is by having dedication, devotion to the teacher. Everything the teacher does is a teaching. So you would take that, and then you would, just by way of looking at that, you would see that anything anything does, or anything anyone does, is a, is a teaching, if you're a student. So be a student. Never stop being a student. Always, always be on receive. A student is receiving. The teacher actually is producing, but if they're a true teacher, they're producing out of what they see. In other words, they're producing out of what they're receiving. So if the true teacher meets you, they're receiving what's, what's happening with you, and they may produce something with your permission. If you ask for them for, to function as your teacher, they can, may come back and uh, uh, poke you in the eye. That's my... Teachers both have done to me. Is the teacher triggering anger in us somehow more direct or showing us something um, different than if any other situation triggers anger? Well, I think so, because it's your teacher. Your teacher's doing that, so it's a little bit harder to go back and blame the teacher who is... Uh, there must be some kind of chemistry there that brought you to that person in the first place. You're basically uh, giving the benefit of the doubt, if not even trusting that teacher to uh, help you. I didn't trust Coben until after many years had passed by, and I realized after who he was, and that he was my teacher, and he was teaching me from the moment I asked for, I gave him permission by asking him for precepts. And his first teaching was ignore me. And that was not easy because that brought up all kinds of negativity, mostly self-hatred that I would cover up with. Well, it must be this. Well, he probably doesn't really mean this. Yes, he did. He meant it. And I'm grateful to him for that. Any further questions? No. Uh, bowing as a lifelong chronic painter of 33 years with more peaks than valleys, 
I guess my question is, without abandoning in its entirety the importance of the upright form in stillness, is there allowance for flexibility in picking a position of rest that is also with intention a stillness? It's very situational. Ideally, sitting up like this, but sometimes people then they do this, and then sometimes people might need to do some of this and some of this, and eventually might need to lay down but, uh, in bed or something like that. But the most important thing about it is is a uh, a stillness where you're not. It's not a maintenance like a rigid kind of maintenance, but just very still and very alert. You may may have to lay down and do that. Other people deal with the same thing. You may have to. If you can, do start out with a little bit of, uh, like you're sitting right now, you know, sit up for a little while, and then if you have to do it, then do it very deliberately, not collapsing, but just, okay, now I'm going to move to a, a prone position and lay still, look at the ceiling or look at the sidewall or something. Is that, is that what you're asking? Yeah. Do the best you can. Everyone's dealing with something different. The main thing there is the stillness, and the attitude of just receive. And when you just receive something, you'll notice that there's an attitude or there is a uh, kind of a knee-jerk thing that causes us to push against something. We receive something, but then there's little post-it notes on there. So we haven't really received what it is. If you really are receiving what something is, you won't really know what it is, know exactly what it is. If you know what it is, then those are the post-it notes. So it's much more, form arises much more pure, pure appearance, which is your Dharma name, pure appearance, Junshu. What does it look like for someone to um, be angry without hatred? Bowing. You're just, you're just angry, you're just irritated, but there's no, there's no, uh, rising of some kind of intention to get revenge or to teach somebody a lesson. It's just a, it's just a low level burn that's happening. And so I say, if you've heard me say, don't, don't do anything with that. Don't shut down on it. Just experience that texture of that anger. If, if you really can really receive your, your negativity uh, without well, in other words, receive without producing, without production. Uh, at some point, the, the nature of the self-centered mind begins to relax and begins to, the demand starts to drop. The anger may still be there. The grouchiness may still be there. Irritability may st still be there, but the demand uh, starts to relax. And eventually this, uh, one, a name that I use occasionally that is a little bit descriptive, and it's not exactly it, but it's like that. Eventually, one, one uh, is someone is around you a lot. We'll see that um, if this begins to happen with you, you may not realize your true nature, but you will you'll no longer be at war with anyone or anything. You could even call it humility. Not no longer all puffed up about who you are and what you think. One last question, if there is one. If not, we can close. Jessica Bowing. Hi, Jessica. You were just talking, um, saying that when Coben ignored you, it brought up a lot of self-hatred. How did you work with that self-hatred, Bowing? 
Well, one of the ways is just to say, nah, it can't be that. <laughs> no, I'm okay. Uh, no. Just the stuff that I thought I had dealt with in the past uh, when I was a, stu a student of Trungpa Rinpoche. I was still a student of his. But I didn't have that that firsthand uh, having somebody s sit right across from me and, and see my uh, my fundamental disturbance and my fundamental narcissism was still operating. So that was very helpful to me. That doesn't mean that I immediately thought, oh, uh, well, there's no self to really hate. I didn't jump into some kind of uh, existential perception about the nature of existence, non-existence, or a self, no self. That took a while. Jessica. Jessica Bowing, how did you work with it when you stopped covering it up, Bowing? Just felt like shit. Seriously. Just, just felt bad. Plenty of room for questions. Don't you want to know more? Jessica Bowing. Uh, yeah, what happened after that, Bowing? <laughs> <laughs> uh, then uh, then uh, uh, I stopped. Uh, that stopped happening. <laughs> I stopped feeling bad. Did those around you know you were feeling bad? In, th in those years, no. I know I kept to myself about that. The only one who Takedo might know something, because I remember back in the 90s asking Takedo, I said, what, what, what is it with Coben? I said, ask him, what, why is he, why wouldn't he talk to me? So, and I said, is, is he, he treating anybody else like this? He said, no. <laughs> yeah, I'd like that. No, no. I says, have you ever, have you ever been treated like that? No, he's really nice to me. <laughs> so, uh, well, it was it was difficult. It's quite difficult. But it was it was it, for me. It was a. It took a while, but I received it as a teaching, and, and began to understand what what was being pointed at. A few years later. Twelve, exact. Twelve years of continuing to practice and practice and practice. After I'd already been practicing for 20 years or something like that. More. Okay, I guess we can close. May the merit of this penetrate into all places so that we and every sentient being together can realize the Buddha's way. Bodhisattvas, Mahasattvas, 
Please come down out of the light and protect Sokokoji Buddhist Temple Monastery, our Sangha, families, friends, and visitors. Heal everyone who is unhappy, sick, or suffering, and fill them with light. If you value the teachings of Sokozan and you would like to support his teaching work and the functions of Sokokoji Buddhist Temple Monastery, which also supports monk and practice residents, please consider giving a donation by visiting our website at sokukoji.org.